Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash Patchwork Heart Ministry today. My name is Al Smith, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Hungry for More. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the feminine genius. And uh, I know I've been talking a great deal about men's ministry for a number of episodes, uh, but we thought we'd switch it up and uh, pay attention to the ladies today. And so I'm going to have on the program Simone Riscala. And of course, she's involved with the Endow Group of Women and of course have a great ministry. So uh, we're going to start off with prayer and uh, of course, uh, then introduce you to this great ministry. So I'll ask my producer, Kent Kohalski, to bring up on the screen uh, the prayer that we ask for the help of St. Teresa of Avila. So I will begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to uh, show you a short video clip here uh, from Endow Groups. And uh, of course, it will uh, set everything up beautifully here. So uh, please enjoy this video. John Paul II once said that woman has a genius all her own, which is vitally essential to both society and the church. As a busy mother of two, my desire for my prayer life is that not only do I take the time to pray, but I also infuse the peace that God gives in prayer into my actual daily life. I'm always trying to grow in holiness. I pray a lot for rootedness, community of people that I trust and can connect with on faith issues to become an instrument for others to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. In different places I've lived, I've been the only Catholic woman my age that was trying to live by certain church teachings, and I felt very alone at times. The great need that I've seen in myself and other women is the need for real-life community. So not online social media, not sharing images, but actually real-life conversations. Endow brings women together into small group communities to study the intellectual tradition of the Catholic Church. We organize women into these small groups, provide and publish study guides for them to be working through together in an 8 to 12 week session. Magnifica is Endow's apostolate to Hispanic women. It's our study guides translated into Spanish. 
We as women want to know about our nature and dignity, and we want to know about the intellectual tradition of the church. And so that is what sets Endow apart from any other program or organization. A woman in Endow group is living a full Christian experience because she's living the life of faith in community. And she's also being formed and molded by the teachings of the church. Women in colleges are constantly being fed lies about the hookup culture. We encourage women to get new groups started and then to reach out to organizations like schools, pregnancy resource centers, and get groups started there because that's really where the women are in desperate need of the message of the truth. Start an endow group and invite women because most of the time there are other women just like you who are looking for friendship and who are looking to learn. Why Endow is so important for today's culture in which we see that women are, I would say in some way, misunderstood, sometimes manipulated, and we risk to lose the genius, the beauty of women. And, uh, and I think this is a message important for everyone to hear. My Endow group over the years has gotten so close and we have shared each other's highlights in their life and sorrows in their life, and we're there with each other every step of the way. It has reminded me and put a clear place in my week that I need time for community and people and time for intellectual formation. My first study for Endow was John Paul II's Letter to Women, and it was really special because it was with a group of women that I didn't know that well. I feel like I grew in knowledge of myself through learning from the different lenses. They were women in much different backgrounds and how we grew together as a group. It teaches me about the lives of the saints and how we are made for truth and for love. The more that you get to know Christ through each other, through the presence of the other, the more you're going to be attuned to the Holy Spirit's voice and call in your own life, in your own particular mission. I would strongly recommend endow groups to any woman on any part of her faith journey because you get to delve into the intellectual tradition of the church, which is always exciting and never ending. And so you're going to learn so much about who you are, about who your fellow sisters in Christ are, that you're just never gonna wanna stop learning. and welcome back to Hungry for More. And I hope you enjoyed that four minute video presentation on Endow Women. And um, again, I think uh, we want to find out a little bit more. So I want to bring onto the screen today, uh, my good friend, Simone Riscala. And of course she is uh, very much partnering with uh, the Endow Group of Women. And so uh, Simone, welcome to Hungry for More. Thank you, Alan. I'm so happy to be here to talk to you uh, this evening. <laughs> now, they've given you a great title uh, here with this organization, so explain <laughs> to everyone your title and what you do uh, yes. with Endow Group of Women. Yes, absolutely. So I'm the Director of Program Growth, which means that it is my job to grow the program, which is basically letting more and more women, priests, pastors, diocese, Catholics, those who run lay apostolates and movements about the wonderful mission of Endow, which is a very simple mission on the one hand. On the other hand, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest to actually cultivate in our life. So Endow creates study guides 
and organizes women into small group communities to study Catholic philosophy and theology uh, with a particular attention to what has become known as the feminine genius and the female doctors of the church, which uh, we are celebrating uh, St. Hildegard of Bingham today. So, uh, so it's, it's a way for your average Catholic woman uh, to really access the rich spiritual and theological heritage of the Catholic church in a way that is in community. So the best way to learn, we know this all the way from, from the ancient Greeks and Aristotle, Plato and Socrates, that the, the best learning and the best education comes through dialogue and through friendship. So th those are our two, our two aims is to form intentional communities and uh, form the intellect, the life of the mind, women who are interested in really learning about the faith, about, about the traditions of the church and, and really dive into the, the, just the endless and rich theological heritage with a, with a little emphasis on the feminine genius. Yes, yes. And I'm just starting to learn about the feminine genius. And yes. of course, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, you know, I'm not bashful when it comes to uh, understanding to say, I don't know everything. I really don't. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, this man behind me, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, has helped me a great deal uh, to uh, understand women and, of course, God's um, plan. So, uh, and I know that uh, St. John Paul II uh, wrote some beautiful documents to help women. And so tell me a little bit about uh, JP2's writings and uh, especially as it uh, points to women and their role and their feminine genius. So uh, spend a little bit of time on that, please. Absolutely. Well, I think the, one of the most brilliant things about uh, Bishop Sheen and uh, John Paul II is that they knew that on, uh, on a, in, a, in a very singular way that the cultivation of the feminine genius of women is really crucial for building up a civilization of love. I think so, that's something that they understood very well. John Paul II um, really decided to bring that out to the forefront. We have references to the feminine genius from Paul VI, and certainly, and maybe we can talk about this later if you like, uh, John Paul II was building on the thought of St. Edith Stein. They were both phenomenologists and um, while John Paul II was also a Thomist and studying the, the works of St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Edith Stein also, uh, you know, later in life would study St. Thomas. So he's really, in many ways, uh, building on her thoughts and kind of bringing to the attention um, something that Paul VI was also referencing, because as you know, Paul VI wrote Humanae Vitae and was prophetic and really understood that, in fact, if we embrace a contraceptive mentality in the wider culture, that the first person to be affected would be women. So John Paul II, later when he became pontiff, really saw uh, on a grand scale that happened. Um, and so he wrote, he decided to write uh, the letter to women because of um, the Beijing conference, which was going to talk about abortion and, and abortion being the, the cure-all uh, for, for uh, to, you know, to put the, you know, the, the, that the real path to equality of women and recognizing women's dignity was to put forth more abortion and more contraception. And he really cared so much for women and understood that if women are compromised, all of civilization's compromised. So he wrote the letter to women, a letter that he wrote, not just to Catholic women, but to all women of the whole world, which is really special, but a Pope would do that. 
And in, in it, he really affirms um, the dignity of woman. He had written Mulieris Dignitatum on the nature and dignity of women, which is where Endow gets her name, educating on the nature and dignity of women. Um, so he writes Mulieris Dignitatum in, I think, 1988. And he really, that's a very robust uh, encyclical. We have an endowed study guide on it for women who are watching and who want to study it. Um, but the letter to women really um, had very, a, a strong influence in the, at the Beijing conference and was successful on a worldly level. Although it doesn't surprise me that the feminine genius is something that is maybe new to your psyche or, 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 or to your intellectual formation or something that you haven't really delved into. I think most, most Catholics actually have yet to discover Letter to Women and John Paul II's writings on women. Um, and, and I think it's, it's crucial uh, for more and more Catholics to learn about this because the world is not for women. Um, the world is very much against the dignity of women. Uh, and, and with that, simultaneously, the church's, uh, the world's perception of the Catholic church is that's the last, that's the most patriarchal anti-woman organization in the world. But of course, the complete opposite is true, that the Catholic church is the most pro, pro-woman organization out there. But we have, we Catholics have to get the word out. The most effective way, I think, to get the word out is to get into the hands of every Catholic woman, letter to women. And so that's kind of our foundational study, uh, Letter to Women, because he's really addressing every woman and saying, you are absolutely, um, you know, have equal dignity as men, but you have something that's special and different that men can't offer. And if, and if the feminine genius, the, the God-given genius that's in your feminine nature, if that's compromised, then, then civilization is lost. And that every woman saying yes to her, uh, to her dignity, to the feminine genius found in her nature. Um, that's something that's vital and essential for society to thrive. So he really wanted to just clear out any misconceptions that the church has or that, that, pe that people might think about the church, that women aren't equal, and that they can't be as professionally successful or they can't. But he really wants to say that there, there is motherhood is of singular importance in a special way, but also that that there is something special about women that isn't just the mere imitation of male models. That there's something that to that your feminine nature is something that is more that's more special in a way. So that's a little little taste of that, Alan. <laughs> no, thank you for that. And no, and and I think this is what you know. I saw in the video clip. I saw the ladies. Uh, you know, again, very important that they meet and have a time to just have fellowship, which is so important today. And I think with this time of COVID, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm not so much afraid to meet, but maybe it's a little bit more difficult, but still, even in these troubling times, I still think many of the Adao women groups are still getting together. They're still, um, you know, doing the best they can. But right. um, really, I, th I see in this, little short video clip, so much hope. And I wanted to talk with, especially to the young ladies, because I know that you spend a great deal of time, you know, in high schools and universities, college campuses to kind of um, uh, tell these ladies to maybe unlearn what you're learning to, yeah. um, you know, yeah. this, this, the, there's so many lies out there. So spend a little bit of time talking about how you reach out to these young women. Cause I know that you've uh, taught in high school and you've, uh, yeah. you know, spent a lot of time with these ladies. So please share. Yes. I mean, I think what you're saying is crucial. It's, it's really meaningful to me when I encounter um, a woman who is maybe in her early to mid twenties, who 
you know, had, had, and we know the statistics, you know, most, most Catholics, the median age of Catholics leave the church is 13, um, which is really tragic. 50% of Catholics leave the church at some point in their life. 70% don't believe in the real presence. So things aren't looking very good. And if the, the big marketing campaign out there is that the church is anti-women, oftentimes what happens is, is that women will, will leave the, will go to college. It's what I'm saying. They'll go to college. They'll leave the, the faith that they grew up in. Unfortunately, the, the, institutions and, and the schools have in large part have been not uh, unable to transmit the gospel to them for whatever reason. Um, and part of that might have to do with family upbringing. But then what happens is, is that they'll buy into kind of the, um, you know, current wave of feminism, which is really at, at its heart, very anti-woman. And so um, they'll, they'll, they'll buy into kind of what the world proposes uh, become unsatisfied with that, and then discover John Paul II's letter to women through through some kind of particular grace, and are flabbergasted. And it's so fun to be on the receiving end of that. Wow, you know, I had fallen away. I I didn't think I could be pro woman and a Catholic. I rediscovered my Catholic faith, and I discovered that actually John Paul II is a huge advocate of, of, for women and really wants me to discover my feminine genius and really believes that for, for the mere fact, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing John Paul II, of being a woman, that is, is, is a huge contribution. Not anything I do, not the, the wealth I have, the pleasure, the power, the honors that I achieve, but simply in the fact of being a woman that my life has dignity and value and that I'm unconditionally loved by God. And in my being, I give him glory. And that's, an, that's a true liberating message. So, you know, the more we can get the word out about that, the more we can kind of untie those knots out there that and those misconceptions that I, I turned to right and left. And I was just at the eye doctor a couple of weeks ago. And when I, she asked me, what do you do? I said, I work for this organization called Endow on educating on the nature and dignity of women. And, and she, she, you know, she grew up Catholic and, and she had lapsed and she said, I, does the church care about women? And this was a real concern. So, you know, if, if we ourselves in the church are uh, have yet to really uh, access the teachings on the, on the feminine genius of John Paul II and Edith Stein, then you can imagine that those who have fallen away certainly aren't aware of it. So, um, you know, we just have to get the word out because college campuses and high schools especially, those, those are prime times, even younger. I mean, 13 is the age to kind of check out. Uh, that's the time to really hone in the truth of the value and dignity of each of every person, but in a particular way, women, because of the feminine, the power of the feminine genius and because um, the devil hates women and he knows how powerful they are. A powerful holy woman is a, is a very influential, a very influential uh, source of beauty and holiness. And so he's definitely going to go after women in a particular way and went after, you know, hates Mary, hates the Virgin Mary. So, you know. Mm -hmm. If we're becoming little Marians, um, you know, Christians after uh, with Marian hearts and souls, you know, that we're definitely going to be attacked. But all the more we need, we need people to mobilize and help and get the word out for their own sake, for the liberation of those souls to really know that they're valued and loved and, and in their total being have something to, to, to be and to say in the world. Um, that women speak for themselves. We don't need, we don't need the world to speak for women. Um, we can speak for ourselves, but before we can do that in a true and effective way, we have to be, we have to not just um, recognize that we have a, a genius all our own, as JP2 would say, um, but that, that that genius needs to be 
cultivated and that comes with formation and that comes in an endowed group when you're together with a group of women on various paths their journey accessing these beautiful teachings and then asking yourself what does this have to do with me in my life and what is it that god's calling me to in my particular circumstances because god is calling all of us to be in relationship with him and if we're in a true relationship with him where we can hear his voice then he certainly has a task for us to accomplish and i think that uh, that's also a huge desire of young people that they know that they're called to something great. They know they're called to be something great, but you really can't fulfill that mission in peace. If you can't hear God's voice, but you can't hear God's voice if you aren't in a relationship with him. So that's what, that's our hope is that endow groups. And we've seen the beautiful fruit of endow groups, but, but we need more. There's a, there's, we have a church in crisis that really needs this. So my, I, I thank you so much, Alan, for inviting me onto your show, because I really hope that this is maybe the answer to prayer to somebody who's watching. Yes. And I think uh, we'll spend a little bit of time of how people can plug in because, you know, we talk about the outreach to high school um, students, to university and college students, of course, the ladies at home, the ladies um, in professional life. Um, Again, we're going to bring up on the screen, the Endow website. And of course we invite people to uh, visit that. And of course, um, some beautiful pictures there. And of course, some, beautiful resources that are available through your website. So uh, talk about your reach. So again, a lot of people are watching today and they're probably thinking, well, how will I plug in or what's the best way to somehow get a little bit more information and talk about how you're going out into the world saying, hey, uh, come join us and we'll help you where we can. But uh, there's different ways to plug in. So maybe connect the dots for me, please. Yeah. Yeah. So we have study guides that go from middle school, uh, to high school, to adult study guides. We also have study guides in Spanish, which is really excellent. So um, the way to, to plug in, to start a group, whether that group meets in person or is gonna meet virtually, which with COVID, a lot of our groups are meeting virtually right now. So even though that's not ideal, it's been really successful and you really can have great uh, intimate encounters and dialogue, even if it's on Zoom or on GoToMeeting or, or other media, um, other mediums but the way that you would plug in is to go on our website um, find our groups page and say that you would like uh, to host a group or if you just want to learn more I'm I'm the gal you talk to so you can you can book an appointment with me and I can walk you kind of through how would you bring this to your parish uh, how would you would you do a public group for your parish and kind of blast out and invite all the women in your parish is this a private group that you want to do with your own special group of friends or your community so there are public group public groups there are private groups maybe you're somebody who's been you know uh, a, a woman a pillar of society and in the parish for a long time and you think this is this is really on my heart i want to i want to bring this to a college campus or a crisis pregnancy center or a prison. I mean, really it, it, it could be the, the woman watching that says this is formation that I need, or perhaps she, she does have the formation, um, but wants to bring it into the peripheries. And, and we're seeing more and more and more of that. Um, I was just talking to a woman the other day who said she wants to bring our Humana Vitae study into the prisons because so many women in the prisons um, need to go through Rachel, Rachel's Vineyard and, and Project Rachel and host a board of healing and help. But that Humana Vitae is a study that she really feels passionate about in bringing into the prisons to give them not just the, the post board of healing, but also the formation and the study of, of connecting kind of the dots. Cause it's a, it's a big, it's a big leap sometimes to say, 
that a contraceptive mentality is kind of why we have all these social ills. Sometimes that's, that's, I don't think it's intuitive or easily grasped. So the study guides kind of fill in those gaps historically, philosophically, theologically, and, and it can, it can really help. So it's, it's quite an investment, but it's, I think it's an investment worth making because uh, we're called to love God, not only in our hearts and our souls, but also in our minds. And the battlefield is the mind in many ways, rooting out those intellectual heresies, rooting out the lies the devil's constantly trying to feed to us and filling them with the truth. And as you were saying earlier, I mean, there's so much that we have yet to study and to learn. So um, the, the uniqueness of an endowed study guide is actually that it's divided into three parts. And that the, the, that the first part of every chapter is the primary source, is the actual text of John Paul II uh, or the saint, uh, if, you know, if it's St. Hildegard or St. Teresa of Avila, St. Edith Stein, St. Catherine of Siena, we have uh, a, a vast array of study guides, right? So you guys can actually read the inheritance directly. The second part is a theologian or Catholic writer will uh, make a commentary on it to kind of bring it home for you. The third part of the chapter are the study guide questions, in which case your group can, this is where kind of the, the formation comes out and the, the friendship develops and the real application to one's own life. That's kind of where the magic happens when there's that crossover of the intellect and the, and the community, the community aspect. So um, most studies are about eight chapters. So it's an eight to 12 week study. So you would decide, hey, I want to host a study. I'm going to invite these people. Maybe it's my parish or maybe it's just a private group, my friends. I'm going to block off eight to 12 weeks. You know, give yourself an hour and a half to two hours. Sometimes we need time to chat in the beginning and the end. Um, and, and you work through each chapter of the week. Now, the nice thing is, is that especially for busy moms who want to do this, um, you know, there's no homework, right? You show up. And you read the chapter out loud together. And I think this is a really crucial part because we can be very busy and especially um, moms with young children are very busy. So you don't need to do homework. It's not a class, but the, the guide is the expert. You read it out loud. It's written and designed to be read out loud. And then, and then that's your, that's your weekly meeting. So go on our website, um, you know, check, check that box. I want to host a group or I just want to learn more. And, and we can talk to you about how to set all of that up. So I hope that answers your question. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it does. It does. Because, you know, I'm kind of jealous. I mean, my, I have two, <laughs> two daughters. Of course, they're, they're, they're adult age. They're, um, you know, they're grown, married. Yeah. Um, and I always remember when they had girl talk. I mean, this was the big thing, you know. And I just, I was, I was jealous of their girl talk, you know, that they just, when the ladies got together and, of course, um, uh, friends from their youth group or friends, you know, when they were at university, it was always this, uh, I never understood it because I don't understand girl talk, but uh, <laughs> still, I think when I watch the video, I see that fellowship. I see the ladies truly enjoying the conversation. Yes, we're going to unpackage the scriptures. Yes, we're going to, um, you know, be enriched by the teachings of St. John Paul II, but we know that we're journeying with someone else that we're not doing this alone. And I think that's what so many women find out. They say, I'm not alone. There's other women that share this same joy that I have. There's other women that feel like, yeah, I've been lied to too. And, um, you know, it's nice to know that I've got friends that will uh, rally with me to say, no, let's, let's change this. Let's heal, but let's also reach out to other women so that 
they don't fall into the same trap. And so that's what I love about what your groups are doing. So praise be to God uh, yeah. for Endow. So thank you again for that. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Of course, we got to take a commercial break here. And we're, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Endow, but we're going to also talk about some of your speaking uh, because you, of course, um, uh, have uh, had your own blog for quite some time. Uh, you've got a very unique story. Um, and of course, uh, anyone who has visited your uh, website, you know, Cultural Gypsy will start to understand that there's a lot to Simone Riscala. So uh, we're going to take a short break and come back. Uh, and of course, uh, talk a little bit about Saint, uh, a lot of the saints. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to lose drug because I think we all have our favorites. So uh, please, uh, you know, stay with us here on Hungry for More. We'll be back in a moment. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Hey everyone, it's Anne DeSantis here to tell you about my new online TV show called Journeys in Faith. Thanks to Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio, I'll be interviewing some amazing guests will share with all of us their journeys in faith. It's going to be great, and I can't wait for you to be introduced to some truly good people who are working hard to bring deeper faith to others. It's all about relationship with God and living out our mission as intentional disciples. Join me on Fridays, Eastern Time, for Journeys in Faith, 8.30 to 9.30. Subscribe at Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry on both Facebook and YouTube. I'll see you Friday and have a great week. God bless. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hungry for More. I have in the house with me today, Simone Rascala from Endow Group. And of course, uh, we put up on the screen uh, Simone's uh, website, uh, The Cultural Gypsy. And of course, uh, I'm intrigued by just uh, gypsies in general. So uh, again, she got me uh, very interested, but of course she has a very unique story and of course is very passionate about uh, the culture, but also again, um, again, bringing the faith into uh, all the conversations. And so um, Simone has lectured uh, across North America and of course is um, very passionate about many of the saints and of course, is ready to uh, share uh, her insights with the world. So, uh, Simone, tell me a little bit about speaking. I know that you're a teacher. Uh, of course, you have this great gift. And um, again, tell me a little bit about your blog and um, some, some of your background. Um, I believe it's an Armenian uh, descent. And so um, enlighten us a little bit about your uh, gypsy yeah. heritage. <laughs> well, um, the blog was really motivated by my high school students. So um, it's, it, I think any high school teacher, especially theology teacher, feels like there's just so much need uh, that high school students have. There's so many needs and there's increasing as, as we continue to become a fragmented, very lonely, isolated culture. 70% um, of young adults say that they're, they're lonely and they feel isolated and they don't feel like anybody is able to relate to them. 
That's very, very real. Uh, so the blog was really a way for my students uh, to, um, and again, they had to be graduated and you know make sure that they were no longer my students, but it was a way for them to contact me uh, with their questions, concerns, any support or mentorship that they needed. We, we need so, we need more and more spiritual mothers and fathers out there to mentor our, our spiritual orphans, or as Pope Francis calls them, these existential orphans. Um, that are out there. And, and so it was a way for them to keep in touch with me, um, for me to intercede for them in prayer and give them intellectual resources. Oftentimes, um, my former students would contact me asking for resources for university. So it's very hard, hard, hardcore about preparing them for the contra Catholic narrative that they would receive in university life. And that if they ever needed someone to have their back and help equip them with resources and, and so forth, that I would have their back. And so, you know, I, had, I have very brave former students who do talks against moral relativism and, you know, really stand up to their professors. And, um, and I was always happy to be in the background helping and supporting them, you know, uh, challenge the uh, very, uh, uh, you know, secular narrative that they receive at universities. I also just wanted to put resources up there for them to be able to access at any time. So they were really the motivation for the blog. Uh, and they'd pose a question and I would answer it for them. Um, so I have, I have them to thank for it. And I have, I have my students, my former students really to thank for, for the writing that I've done. So um, a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, former student of mine um, had a conversion to the church uh, in high school at, at a Kairos retreat and started dating a girl who um, was on the birth control pill for health reasons. And he was concerned for her health because he remembered my moral theology class and said, you don't need to take the birth control pill for any health reasons. Um, if you know, and I, I would, you know, talk to them about that. And so he remembered that class. And when he graduated and uh, started dating this girl who was taking birth control for health reasons, he's like, Hey, can you please convince or he could please help me equip me with the resources to convince my girlfriend that this is not what she needs to be doing uh, for her health. Um, so, you know, I, I wrote him an email and I, I kind of outlined all of the, um, the, you know, there, there are actually more and more women out there who are not Catholic, who are secular, actually, who are really saying that the birth control pill is just toxic on a natural level. So that's, that's a, a movement that's really taking shape out there, which I'm very, very happy about. So I kind of outlined the non-Catholic, but health reasons why you don't ever have to, you don't ever have to poison your body like that with the birth control pill. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I should get this published. I don't know. Maybe this will be helpful for other people. So I did. And I think that article has had maybe 8,000 views. So that was, that was great. But again, it was, it's, it's my students. I have to thank for that because I just, their, their faces I'd see every day for four years, sometimes two years and their lives and their destinies, um, are, you know, so important to me. I, I love my, I love my students very much and I still love them. So that was the motivation for the blog. The cultural gypsy part uh, is that, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Pope Benedict XVI and, and he, he refers to Christians as nomadic beings because we're really pilgrims in this world. We don't belong here, we belong in heaven and that's our true home. So he, he, he kind of is the one that inspired me about this, this, this metaphor of the nomadic beings. And then also my family are Armenians from Egypt. So I already kind of had that kind of tribal nomadic blood in me. And so coming to the United States as a first generation American, 
um, you know, I already felt kind of out of place anyway. So being a Christian kind of makes you not really feel too cozy in this world. And then um, being, uh, being an immigrant kid, if you will, uh, is what, you know, where I got the inspiration for the cultural gypsy part. So it was kind of like the, the Eastern sensibility of the Middle Eastern tribalism of like tight knit families, very my big fat Greek wedding, if you've seen that movie. Um, but then also the, the more spiritual meaning of, you know, as Christians, the, the closer we get to God, the less comfortable we are in this world. So yeah. in a nutshell. <laughs> Did you learn a great deal from your parents who experienced a great persecution. I think of these families that came over uh, from literally war-torn countries and um, um, of course passed these stories on to their children and to say it will repeat itself here in North America if we're not yeah. careful. And so I think you've written a little bit about that yeah. and spoken about that. Maybe just talk a little bit about um, these difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. It's really special to be talking today, Alan, on my grandmother. She's passed away now, but it, today's her birthday. And uh, she lived to be 104, just one month shy of 104. Um, and she she saw the Hindenburg fly over Cairo. She, you know, two world wars, you know, all, she just lived. And when when uh, she came here to the United States after my parents had already been here for a while and then, and then she, she joined them later, it, it really, it was painful actually to be, I, I remember in high school when I went to a Catholic high school being really sad that and, you know, we were so happy to be in a, Christ, a Christian country and a westernized country, a country that values religious freedom. Um, and, and then looking at my classmates and seeing how, how, how disregarded their Catholic faith was and how not into um, practicing their faith and going to mass and all these things. So it made me really sad because I thought, wow, are, are the Christian communities that my parents lived in in, in Egypt it was, it was just a, kind of this level of joy that I think perhaps can only be enjoyed in, within a, in a persecuted country. You know, when you are the minority and you're being persecuted and, um, you know, celebrating Easter in Cairo is different than celebrating Eastern United States, which is very consumeristic and materialistic. So I think there was a certain sadness in me that while we had to leave our homeland to be able to practice our faith freely, but something was lost in that because so many Christians in the West take it for granted and are, are leaving it in droves. The other, um, the other thing that was kind of sad is that, you know, when we just celebrated the anniversary of 9-11 here in the United States, is that I kind of grew up waiting for some sort of um, terrorist attack, you know? Um, and the day that that happened, I was, I was in college and my mom said, well, you won't be surprised. Kind of like, this is what we expected would happen at some point. Didn't expect it to happen this soon, but here we are. Um, and so having a real... Um, fear of the fragility of freedom, that freedom can be lost so quickly in a, in a culture, in a state. And, and unless um, there's a spiritual revival or awakening or a morality that's provoked, you know, we, we can and we see, we see so much of our freedoms being compromised now in the West and secularism really taking over. And it's, it's too bad because we kind of just got here. <laughs> we kind of we just got to the, to the United States. You know, my parents came in the 1970s. So it's just to see it rapidly being taken away in front of our eyes in such a short amount of time, um, you know, is a hard reality to face, you know, especially being Armenians in, I mean, in the Armenian diaspora in Egypt. So they, you know, already my ancestors escaped the Ottomans and, and the Armenian genocide to, 
to the Middle East and to Egypt in the first place and then having to leave Egypt and then coming here, it just seems like we're running out of places. We're running out of places to go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But it's important to keep this story alive. It's the story alive that all we have to do is look into our history books and we see these atrocities repeated and repeated and repeated. And yeah. I know that the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen was big on history and right. reminding us um, to just, it doesn't take long to go back just a few years to realize this happened in Russia. This happened in Egypt. Right. This happened. So beware, beware. And okay. uh, speaking of the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen, I know you have a great love for his writings and his teachings. And uh, as I, you know, always, you know, comb the internet looking for Sheen resources, I came across your name a couple of times. And I <laughs> was very surprised to know that you gave a course one time on the priest is not his own. And I give, I give those reflections at the seminary. And so I thought, Simone Scala is teaching the priest is not his own. And I thought... I got to talk to her about this. This is great. I know that you, uh, we both talk about the cross and the Beatitudes. We both talk about the priest on his own. So tell me about your love of Fulton Sheen and how you connected with him. Well, I mean, Alan, you are the Fulton Sheen king, right? I don't know anybody who's more into Fulton Sheen <laughs> than you. And I was so happy that we became friends because of Fulton Sheen. So, you know, he's our, he's our buddy. But um, in fact, yeah, my first, um, gosh, there's so many Fulton Sheen books that I love. I I used to use his book on the sacraments, which is, even if you just read his chapter in the sacraments on the, on a sacramental worldview, I think your whole life could change. If I could get just that chapter in the hands of every Catholic in the pew, I really think it would completely change your, your experience in the liturgy. Um, Did a talk on the cross and the Beatitudes, which is such a beautiful and very digestible little book. But um, the interesting thing is, I think this is this is how we were connected is um, Dr. Eric Westby at the Institute of Catholic Theology asked me to give um, a whole series of talks on the priestess on his own. And I said, Eric, um, you know that I am a woman, a lay woman, (laughs) not a priest. This is really intimidating, you know, but he, you know, he has five daughters, you know, the first one he named Therese and, you know, he's just surrounded by women and, you know, he just, he just definitely is not a man in the church who was threatened at all by expressions of the feminine genius. He's definitely Fulton Sheen and JP two-ish in that way. Just, and he thought, you know, how interesting would this be if um, a lay woman gave a talk about the priesthood using Fulton Sheen's book of priests on his own. And, and I really had to kind of, grapple and wrestle with that. But if you think about it, you know, all of us who are baptized are common priests and we're all supposed to, and John Paul II says that all men and women in, in their common priesthood by the very fact of being baptized are crucial to serve and to help um, those in the ministerial priesthood. So after I kind of reviewed reviewed that from from the, from the tradition, I thought, okay, this is just me as a baptized Christian priest, prophet, and king helping to, um, helping um, uh, the, the ministerial priesthood. The unique thing about that was, well, just the pleasure of reading Fulton Sheen again, but also each week I interviewed a different priest. Um, so they would come to the seminar, we'd have a happy hour. It was really, really great. This is in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and so I, I give a little lecture kind of distilling that section of the book. And then, um, a different priest would come each week. One week, the parochial vicar came and that was special too. And listen to my lecture, my distillation, comment on it as his experience as a priest. 
Uh, and then we do a Q and A um, with the attendees. So that was just a very, very special event. I thought it was a very uh, ingenious event uh, organized by Dr. Westby and something where, especially because at that time, um, the second wave of the sex abuse scandals were released. And so it was providential in the sense that there were so many Catholics uh, at the, in that community that thought, I want a way to be present to my priest to support the good priests out there, the ones who are being persecuted because of all the bad ones, and um, and to to be more involved in their lives and 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 a, and a place of healing and reconciliation between priests. So that was um, a, a really uh, theologically rich, but also I think a very providentially pastoral gesture on behalf of bringing together the laity and uh, these these six wonderful priests that I had the pleasure of of. Um, of interviewing that night, so. Very good, very good. I'll hold up uh, on the screen so everybody can see it. This is the book, The Priest Is Not His Own. And, you know, I share this book at Catholic men's conferences all the time. And I felt the same calling about the whole idea that when we're baptized, we become priest, prophet, and king. And uh, the problem is, is that we aren't priestly half of the time. And that's, yeah. The challenge and you know when i just read to the men the table of contents and um i apologize <laughs> i need to get my glasses out here but um and this is where i think people just uh, truly fall in love with sheen's wisdom when he talks about you know the holiness of a priest and how we're called to be holy right. he talks about um you know the spirit of poverty the spirit of preaching and prayer um you know the it's just this whole idea that you will become a counselor and that you'll have a relationship with your mother as a priest has a relationship with his mother and we're to have a relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary. So uh, this book is a field manual for all Everybody. people of faith. <laughs> but I, I speak again to the men and I say, men, we need more fathers. We need, need us to become, to take our position. Uh, I always say priest, prophet and king, where do I begin? Right. In with this book, okay. Right. The priest is not his own. So, a uh, little plug there. And your mention of these are the sacraments. That's a beautiful. You can find it uh, at uh, many places. Just look up, you know, Bishop Sheen. These are the sacraments. Right. Um, right. Again, he's a great catechist. So, um, you know, he's he, he writes. He, like, he writes like a poet. I mean, yes. You 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 really feel the affects um, when you read him. He really he really gets you. I mean, certainly his TV show do the same thing, but his books do too. I mean, it's actually remarkable. Uh, my favorite line, I think, in A Priest is on His Own um, is I think it's on page 20 where he says that the, that the shepherd goes after the sheep. And I think that for all of us, it's common priests or, or, or you know, that the um, clerical priesthood, we have to, we can't wait for the sheep to come to us you know, we have to go out after them and um, we have to get uncomfortable and do that. And I think that if we, if we could do that, if we could take up Mother Teresa's call as well, where she says, don't wait for leaders, do it person to person. Don't wait to be perfect. Don't wait to know everything. Don't, don't, you know, don't wait. Just start reaching out to people. It is, you know, desperate times. Um, but I just love that he said that because, you know, you see a lot of just kind of, I wonder what God wants me to do. You know, we'll just get out there. <laughs> just mm -hmm. get out there. There's a lot of work to do. And you have, God will equip you with all, and give you all the graces that you need uh, to fulfill your personal vocation, whatever that is. So just, just get out there and do it. So I really appreciate that by Fulton Sheen because the, you know, the laborers are few. 
I think yes. I think Jesus knew that we would be short staffed. So right. he's like, hey, priest, get out there, get out there, you know, go get them, you know, don't wait. Um, I, I That's my favorite part. Very good. Very good. And you mentioned uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now St. Teresa. And I know that you're giving a lecture, uh, I think in October, and I think it's in a friendship, a friendship, I'd say a friendship group. Uh, is it, I think it's the Fellowship of Friendship, and um, my memory serves me correctly. And, <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. going to be talking about the four Teresas. And I love... <laughs> I love St. Teresa. I mean, like, I yeah. yeah. I, I just give, give us a little tidbit there. And I know that's coming up in October and I, I'll let you give a shameless plug for the event, but. Um, I would uh, love to. This is a great nonprofit. Everybody should know about it's through the revolution of tenderness and in the revolution of tenderness, you can, you can check out their website every year. I think this is the eighth annual festival of the festival of friendship. So it's a, it's a cultural arts festival. It usually takes place in Pittsburgh. Um, but now because of COVID, everything's going virtual. So it's, it's an incredible, I, th I think it's one of the, uh, it's just one of the most important things that's happening out there. And I don't think enough people know about it, just like I don't think enough people know about Endow. But um, on October 1st, which is the Feast of the Little Flower, St. Therese, there's going to be a presentation called the Four Boss Saints, because these women are just feminine genius powerhouses. Um, so they're going to be four 15-minute talks. So it'll be an hour, very digestible, on St. Teresa of Avila, St. Edith Stein, um, St. Therese, the Little Flower, and Mother Teresa. And actually, there's a different speaker for each of those four Teresas. I am doing the one on St. Edith Stein, uh, which I'm very, very happy to do. And I just, she is very relevant, obviously, for all times, but particularly this year, I think I think Edith Stein is a year for 20 is a saint for 2020 for all that all that she um, experienced and went through and we really can credit Edith Stein for um, her essays on women and her uh, phenomenological writings that really influenced John Paul II. So she had an intuition actually she had had a prophetic intuition that she was put, placing the building blocks the philosophical building blocks for somebody else who's going to come and kind of build on her work on her on her uh, philosophy of, of, of womanhood and that someone was John Paul II who was also a phenomenologist and who wrote his theology of the body um, actually his Wednesday audiences so his his Pope speeches uh, you know for five years it became what is now known as the theology of the body and then later on Moliere Stigna talked to him in letter to women so She's really, if there's always a, a, a genius woman behind every, every great man, Edith Stein is behind John Paul II when it comes to uh, his, his writings on the feminine genius. So I definitely invite everybody to, to go on the website of Revolution of Tenderness and sign up for that event. And there's many other events that could really pique your interest, but it's all, it's, it's all centered around friendship. Again, this, this, the crucial essentiality of friendship and also how does the Christian worldview really um, inform culture and we definitely are in, in need of a cultural revival so if the festival of friendship is positive and in a, in a year that's been super negative uh we need this so everybody's welcome all right well you know again let's let's plug everything here as we wind and <laughs> wind down in the show again we've talked about so many things but uh, again your website the culturalgypsy.com 
Uh, your blog is there. Again, people can get in contact with you, which is excellent. Uh, and of course, in the Endow Group, uh, which you, of course, have a vital role there. So uh, again, we ask you to visit these two sites and to, of course, get to know Simone Riscala and uh, the fine work of the Endow Group. So uh, Simone, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we always end our program with uh, asking for the help of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. So we'll pray a prayer for a spiritual favor and we'll ask uh, the good Lord to bless uh, the Endow Women Movement, and um, and I always call it, I don't want to call it a woman's movement, but it's a movement <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. It really is. And uh, But again, uh, you're doing great work there. So uh, again, we will pray to uh, for the help of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, through the intercession of the Venerable Fulton Sheen. So I'll have Kent Golhalski, my producer, put up the uh, picture of Fulton Sheen, and we'll pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, source of all holiness, you raise up and within the church in every age, men and women who serve with heroic love and dedication. You have blessed your church through the life and the ministry of your faithful servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He has written and spoken well of your divine son, Jesus Christ, and was a true instrument of the Holy Spirit in touching the hearts of countless people. If it be according to your will, for the honor and glory of the most holy trinity and for the salvation of souls we ask you to move the church to proclaim him a saint and we ask this prayer through jesus christ our lord amen and here venerable fulton j sheen we ask your blessing upon uh, the endow group and uh, simone's ministry and we ask this prayer through christ our lord amen In the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen of course, we are always praying for the canonization of Fulton Sheen, praying for spiritual favors, and of course, we recommend that you read some of his books. And uh, you'll find me on bishopsheentoday.com, a website with his videos, his talks, his, his books, it's all there. So, uh, and I ask you to, and I invite you to visit uh, Simone and her ministries. And of course, uh, thank you, Simone, for joining us today on Hungry for More. My pleasure. Yeah. Any pleasure. any last words? You know, I think, uh, you know, you always hate to, you know, say goodbye, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if there's something you'd like to say before no, we sign off. Such a, I'm so grateful for you, Alan, and and you definitely don't have the scarcity mentality when it comes to the kingdom. Just put it all out there and and see see who bites. So true. Thank true. you. Very good. All right, everyone. We hope to see you next time on Hungry for More. So again, stay holy, stay healthy, and stay hungry. And we'll see you next time on the Fiat Ministry Network. God love you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.